0: So I'm here with Slate Counts, and I'm interviewing Slate because he's going to be part of this upcoming Sarasolo Festival, and he's doing a one-man show on William Burroughs, the infamous William Burroughs. So I'm going to talk about that, obviously, but I interview people who make their living or their life with an art. And it's clear that at least some part of your life is made with this art, because if you do a one-person show, you're both a writer and a performer. That's right. All right, so I only have one question, and it is, do you remember, can you tell me, when the very first time in your life that you were drawn to writing and or performing,
1: Well, I know I got a lot of influence from writing from my mother who used to journal a lot. Probably she did it more um, seclusively than to broadcast it to my sister and I. However, as we grew older, we learned that she had a number of journals that she had been writing over the years.
0: This makes writing secretive. I mean, so you didn't Hide your writing.
1: I I chose not to hide my writing. (laughs) And and I've also been journaling for many years. Um, At one point in my life, uh, I was very interested in um, psychic phenomena, ESP, clairvoyance, uh, lucid dreaming, um, teleportation, some of those types of Mm -hmm. things. And I found that at that point in my life, my dreams were very disturbing to me um they created evenings that I couldn't sleep at all sometimes. So after reading a lot of uh extrasensory perception uh types of books and whatnot in junior high elementary and junior high.
0: Yeah so you started uh, writing fairly young. Um, so writing is the first one right
1: um, you know, and I'm, uh, I'm going to have to say that it was in the first grade um, that I had an opportunity to be part of a movie that was being filmed for PBS. It was a Christmas movie about the life of Franz Schubert, who wrote um, Silent Night, Holy Night. And it was through this public broadcasting movie that really I got hooked into acting. So I guess the acting preceded the writing.
0: I guess it did. At any point, did you think, I'd like to do this for my life? I'd like to be a writer. I'd like to be an actor. I
1: I think it occurred to me that becoming an actor was possible. Um, I wasn't quite so sure about the writing, even though as I moved into high school and college, I had a number of poems published Mm -hmm. and various publications. But even though I had it inside of me, I had not sat down and tried to write that great American novel, or, uh, or what, whatnot. But I think I really saw that, that being able to able to perform on stage and being able to find work um, in front of a camera was possible.
0: So what did you do?
1: Um, I acted in um, in a number of uh, plays and uh, television productions when I lived in North Carolina in Charlotte. And then when I moved to Tampa in 85 to get my uh, master's degree in applied medical anthropology, I had to kind of shelve the acting for a while and then really became involved as as my life started to last here in Tampa, Florida. I began to um, become interested in acting again and became really involved with a number of professional theater companies here in Tampa. My work at the time allowed me that flexibility to have those evenings to go to rehearsals, my job didn't require that I work on weekends, um, so I had that flexibility. So that that made it very um, very affordable for me to lend myself to several theater companies here in Tampa.
0: So, um, at what point did you decide to, or to write a piece for yourself?
1: A friend of mine was the founder and producing director of Stageworks for many, many years here in Tampa. And it was probably about a year, a year and a half ago. We we happened to be out to dinner one evening and she said, Slake, was there ever anyone in your life that you were really interested in, in turning into some type of play or performance and i don't think i had to think of it very long uh it was william s burroughs Um, i've been fascinated with the man and the beat uh, movement and ginsburg and kerouac and um, everyone that those uh, individuals kind of touched at some point in their lives
0: tell us some as much as you want to about the piece that you're going to be doing next week.
1: Sure. I began to put together uh, a vast number, a plethora, if you will, <laughs> of, of quotes by William S. Burroughs. Uh, sometimes those, those really ring in folks' ears. Um, as an anthropologist, I think of quotes by Margaret Mead and, Elizabeth, uh, and Ruth Benedict, or Franz Boas, or Mary Leakey, that come up in my mind. These are things that they grounded anthropologists in thinking about. With Burroughs um, and the questionable individuals that he's <laughs> going out with, you have your Hunter S. Thompson's, your Jack Kerouac's, your Brian Geysons. So I begin to really kind of find these quotes from him. And then in between those quotes, I began to fathom dialogues and monologues that I kind of altered um, in in the best way possible. If you can imagine one of the things that Brian Geisen and Burroughs were famous for was the cut-up method or the cut-up technique. Um, For Geison, the artist, it was painting an idea and then cutting it into strips and reassembling it into a brand new piece of art. For Burroughs, after being introduced to Geisen in 54 in Tangier, he, and then later in Paris in 54, uh, 55, he began to experiment with the concept that words and language should be destroyed. Burroughs was also studied anthropology at Columbia University and at Harvard um, and became fascinated with culture and words and linguistics. And what happens if you cut a page up into strips and reassemble that page you sometimes come up with new ideas, new meanings, new intent. Mm-hmm. So I really kind of fashioned these narratives in between the this vast array of quotes from Burroughs, and it became a, it became a narrative piece. Much like Burroughs was famous for in his later years, doing lectures around the country and around the world um, where he would talk about these thoughts and ideas and dreams and magic and the occult. And some of the people that he became friends with Laurie Anderson, Lou Reed, uh, the Rolling Stones, uh, Led Zeppelin, Jimmy Page. Um,
0: People people on the edge,
1: people on the edge, but people who came to him like Kurt Cobain came to visit him several weeks before he committed suicide Um, was was anything exchanged in the dialogue between between Kurt Cobain and Burroughs at the time. I mean, Kurt Cobain was had a untreatable illness. Um, so where was he left with that illness? So really these folks like David Bowie and Lou Reed and Jimmy Page and Paul McCartney and Ringo Starr would, would visit Burroughs uh, later in his home in Lawrence, Kansas and have these dialogues about magic and the occult and so, so
0: so so if this is not an, uh, a biography, it sounds to me like it's the extension of his legacy. It's. It, it, does that feel right, or it doesn't?
1: It does. I mean, I think folks that might see it want to call it a biography, um, but I think it's so much more than that.
0: Yeah, it sounds like you've taken his ideas, and you're giving
1: them life now? I hope I'm giving them life through me that might really kind of incite other people that really peripherally know about Burroughs or the beat generation, but might say, wow, I really had no idea he did that. I had no idea he knew those people. I had no idea that I can find stuff that he's recorded or find movies that he's worked in or made himself about some of his concepts.
0: So um, it seems to me that given your early attraction to things on the edge, the yes. paranormal, you this was the perfect fit. For you, you were really the perfect person to perpetuate his legacy.
1: I, I really appreciate that description because I think when when people talk about the occult or magic or the spiritual world or the spiritual realm, um, it's off-putting to a lot of people. Yes. But yet, when people discover other religions through anthropology through philosophy and they find that there are many gods in the universe
0: and more things in heaven and earth horatio yes <laughs> most
1: definitely so your description a moment ago of of being the perfect person to have come upon this idea and concept um a really kind of m- Made me want more to share some of this with other people and okay. say, wow, he didn't just write junkie confessions of an unredeemed drug. He didn't just write naked lunch.
0: What you were saying a little earlier about, you know, how how people respond to the occult and, you know, they think um, they're put off by it. But what you didn't also say is they think it's crazy, you know, right. But here we have a man who was steeped in this to whom lots of not crazy people were attracted right it legitimizes it in an interesting way
1: it does it really it truly does and it also i think might legitimize it for other people who are on the periphery that might say Well, maybe Bhagavad Gita is not that crazy after all. Maybe Gandhi was not that crazy. Mohammed was not that crazy. Uh, Jesus and God and Yahweh were not that crazy.
0: Unfortunately, a lot of people who embrace this have a hard time in the world. And he he struggled in his life. He had a lot of pain. Am I I at this right, don't I?
1: Pain is... Something my director and I constantly revisit. Um, this this man um, experienced a lot of pain in his life. Um, I think the drugs and his heavy drug use and reliance on drugs, I think, was and alcohol was a major coping mechanism. Yeah, and um, I think it's important in this piece that I've tried to um, really cut up, um, piece together. Uh, There was a phrase that a friend of mine, an African-American friend of mine once said, it's not a white, Eurocentric, linear-driven agenda mentality kind of piece. Well, of
0: course, he wasn't, was he?
1: No, and it skipped. The piece definitely... travels through time and it goes back and forth through time. And I think one of the things that I want people to understand is this was not a character that just popped up out of nowhere in 1953 when Junkie was published. Um, The, the pain and the abuse and the hurt Um, I'm going to take you back to 1929. He and his brother were with a nanny out in the woods with her boyfriend. And something happened out there. Mm. I'm going to kind of leave it at that.
0: Good. I don't think you should say anymore. You early in this interview, you talked about the period of time when you were having terrible dreams. Hmm? So it seems to me that you, too, went through your own sort of um, n- 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 night of the dark soul, dark soul of the night. I'm not going to be able to get that right. But <laughs> you know what I mean? So yes, in, I in a way, you, you really understand from the inside what it must have been like for him uh, to have all these ideas, which other people thought were crazy. Yes. The world in which he didn't fit, Right. Yes, and to leave an extraordinary legacy, nonetheless.
1: And I, I think one of the one of the threads we'll call magic, or ESP, or mind control, um, the power over the mind and lucid right. dreaming, um, really allowed me to tell my mind not to dream anymore. Yes. Not and and maybe because we know the mind is very complicated. My mind, as we know, kept dreaming. My will suppressed my memory of those dreams. And therefore, I was not frightened anymore.
0: But before we have to stop, I want you to tell whoever's listening, when are you on and how can they get tickets?
1: Folks can get their tickets and enjoy, um, the four performers, and any variety of combination during the week of Thanksgiving at www.sarasolo.org. That's S-A-R-A-S-O-L-O.org. And the Burroughs pieces, um, there's a matinee on Wednesday of that week. That Friday evening, I'm not remembering the dates, I believe the Friday evening is the 27th, and then that following Saturday, there's a matinee on the 28th. I've been telling folks, all three of the other shows just look wonderful. So I'm, I'm, kind, of te- I'm kind of encouraging folks. I said, you know, are you into um, a Japanese woman becoming origami? <laughs> are you into a gentleman talking about three generations of his own life? Are you interested in a high school girl talking about her romance with a skinny Italian boy? Um, so I think there's wonderful combinations depending on when and what other show you'd like to pair it with. But the joy of it is it, um, I know we're asking um, to um, continue being safe and to practice social distancing. Um, The tickets are $25 for your household for two shows.
0: It's a great deal. Is there anything that you would want to say about what it's like to have dedicated as much of your life as you have to the arts of performance and writing?
1: I think an important take home for me is how fulfilling both of those two things are and that all of us are not going to be um marie chevalier <laughs> all of us are not going to be brad pitt and angelina jolie but i think the the drive and the excitement and the creativity is is really where the magic lies
0: oh stop it's perfect <laughs> don't say another word thank you so much like,
1: um- when- Thank you. I've enjoyed this so much. You're a delightful person.
0: (laughs) So are you. And I'm looking forward to watching the show. So I'll, I'll see you on Zoom.